Welcome to the Stories She Sings, where we bring messages of biblical women to life through inspired songs. We hope this podcast will be a place of rest, refuge, and refreshing in the presence of God. Let thy food and thy water be thy remedy. At the beginning of the summer, after a 15-day trek from Lehigh to Provo, I realized how chronically fatigued I truly was. Chocolate wasn't helping matters. I wondered how the pioneers did it. I also realized that my energetic exhaustion went deeper than I could understand and possibly account for. I knew somehow I was self-poisoning myself through my addiction to sugar, carbs, chocolate, and acid-forming foods. At last, my body was rebelling, simply not letting me get away with anything. As a child and youth, I was overflowing with energy, and I was deeply depressed when the last year I realized I just couldn't run on adrenaline any longer. I knew that I needed to approach the Lord on the matter. After all, this body I reside in is a gift from Him and he is, has the owner's manual. It was during a prayer for him to help me know what to do to change my energy levels that the words were indelibly imprinted on my mind. Study your water, alkalize your diet. My sister Kit had bequeathed me with a Kongan machine in order to help my former husband get over a bad case of 16 weeks of gout. It worked. He left me for another woman shortly after his recovery, and I'm sure that these life events were adding to my low-energy depression, not to mention the exhaustion I was recovering from in staying up night after night for 20 weeks of massaging his sore, acidic body. But now, with the Lord's counsel, to focus on gaining new information on alkalized and living water, I decided to focus on the Word of Wisdom as my summer-long project using the alkalizing water from the Kongan machine and combining it with alkalizing fresh fruits and vegetables in season. Perhaps this would help me overcome my weariness, my chronic fatigue, as well as my depression. Socrates' words came to my mind as well as, Let thy food be thy remedy, with this addition, and thy water. Not only was I filled with the desire to make my summer focus a study on living water and living food, but I was also filled with the grace of God to make the necessary changes. How many times had dear friends and family tried to assist me in changing my diet by encouraging me to eat less sugar and to eat more raw foods in season? But I needed a change of palate, not only a change of heart. So I started a support group, inviting others who were desiring to make changes in their lifestyles as well. I offered the alkalized Kangen water to all who wanted to try the experiment with me, along with information that I was studying and putting together in packets. The journey was exhilarating. In five weeks, I had conducted my own experiment with my own body. I have focused on learning all the healthy aspects to the foods I am eating. I study the subject of alkalized water and food every day to stay excited and motivated to eat and drink. I am learning so much that I can't wait to share it with others who have reached their breaking points, who are sick and tired of being fatigued, overweight, sore, stiff, sleepy, druggy, exhausted, and depressed. In five weeks, I lost 11 pounds from 146 to 135. Losing weight was not my focus, 
but a delightful response from my body that was grateful I was making these changes. My desire for sugar and chocolate departed for the first time in my life. My desire for fresh, raw, and wholesome foods began to increase day by day. Though I was losing weight naturally and gracefully, this was not why I conducted the experiment. My whole motivation was that I wanted to pray for and claim the gift of vitality. I wanted to truly run and not be weary and to walk and not faint. I also wanted the destroying angel to pass me by, which I believed to be premature sickness and eventual death. This has been my constant prayer throughout this experiment, and it's all because I listened to and followed the Lord's advice and counsel when He spoke to my mind, saying, Study your water. Alkalize your diet. The effects of acidosis are departing from my body. I am no longer dehydrated from drinking minimal amounts of water after a gastric bypass. Notable changes? My eyes do not droop with heaviness throughout the day. I don't fall asleep in my plate at dinner time. I am combining my foods according to the ways I am learning to eat. I am finding renewed enthusiasm for being alive. I am feeling like a brand new me. I am realizing that the Lord never gives you advice or counsel or a commandment without giving you the desired blessing. I am receiving day by day the answer to my prayers an increase in energy and the gift of vitality. Does the water in your glass have ears to hear? As I researched the work of Dr. Emoto, I learned that Dr. Emoto believes that water can listen and take a command. Do you believe that? Doesn't it sound absurd? How could water possibly have ears to hear? I have wondered each time someone gets off my vibrational attunement massage table when I see the change that occurs in their vibrational frequency, levels of emotion or energy in motion so vividly before my eyes, how can I not wonder if the water in their body is being programmed by the vibration of the music? So I have been researching for myself to know the truth about water and its ability to hear or to be imprinted upon. As I read Dr. Emoto's book for children, I was finally able to grasp his belief that water can change its structure through positive music through the power of the word, and especially through the power of prayer. Why? Because suddenly I saw in my mind's eye the little vessel upon which Jesus was fast asleep. His disciples were worried and anxious, bidding him to arise, saying, Carest thou not that we perish? Jesus simply stood and stretched forth his hand. Peace, be still, he said to the turbulent waves that were threatening to swallow their ship. The water heard and obeyed the voice of his command. Why then can we not also pray, sing, speak, and command water in his name? Think of the water that is blessed in sacramental offerings all over this world. Think about water that is changed in its vibration and molecular structure at the wedding feast in Cana and how it became wine. Think about the parting of the Red Sea. Then turn all your thinkings into thankings and bless your water. Dr. Emoto also believes that water can read. Do you believe that? That's just one more point to ponder. I discovered interesting information about Dr. Emoto's Emoto project today. Here 
on a website, I found that we will be able to read about why Dr. Moto is focusing on teaching children about the importance of water. He says, children like water respond to intention, especially the intention of their primary caregivers, parents, guardians, and teachers. Children are still close to their water natures. In step with the International Decade for Action, Water for Life, the Emoto Project, over the next decade will seek to reach every child on this planet with this message. Water is me. Water is life. Peaceful water means peaceful me, means a peaceful world. In this way, children around the world, raised in tune with the sacred nature of themselves as water beings, and the sacred nature of every drop of water will bring peace to the world. I find this interesting as a vibrational attunement massage therapist. I have noticed that in one hour session, a person lying on a table that has transducers and headphones vibrating the pulse, rhythm, and sound waves into their beings truly has an effect on that individual's emotion. I am emailing Dr. Moto to find out the scientific reasons that the water in the body can be stimulated with the emotions of peace through peaceful music or joy through joyful music. If my hypothesis is correct, then we all need a vibrational attunement massage every day to increase the cellular symphony in our beings. Hi, this is Karen Grant with Living Water, Living Music. In search of living waters, tapping into a higher vibration. One day, a Samaritan woman went to the well to fill her water pot. Imagine her shuffling sandaled feet having walked many miles to the well. Imagine the portrait coming to life when the Savior himself met her there as though he had been waiting for her. He knew upon beholding her that her thirst exceeded the need for fresh drinking water to replenish, cleanse, and heal her body. He looked deeper upon her unmet needs and knew that this woman, who had searched all of her life to find pure love, was thirsting beyond what others, including her husband's, could see. He spoke to her gently that warm summer afternoon. He did not chide her for her neediness, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. He knew that the energy of his pure love could indeed fill all of her unmet needs. Surely this woman must have understood depression. She was now living with the fifth man on her long list of husbands, and the sad tales that must have ended each marriage were deeply pressed into the cells of her physical, spiritual, and emotional being, having not yet had the chance to be cleansed. Jesus knew he must heal her completely, once and for all. What a kind and wonderful Savior to reach out to her and bless the water in her water pot, telling her that if she drank of the water that he would give her, she would never thirst for the love that mortals have to offer. He called himself Living Water. I believe this woman was changed by the living water that he blessed in her pot that day. He offered her more than a sip from a sacrament cup. He offered her an endless jug of that water, structured to the healing vibration of his own divine energy. With a few words, an instant claim and command, he blessed 
and sanctified the water in the entire well to imprint the energy of his pure love for her and all the others who had come to the well to drink. With this understanding, I send to you the information that I have received on a day-by-day process as I have come back to life, overcoming chronic fatigue and exhaustion, overcoming the effects of a gastric bypass, overcoming the emotional effects of divorce, moving back into the vibration of joy, having an increase of living water. I share it with you as a modern-day woman at the well, still in search of His pure love. I claim living water. I visualize Christ blessing the water I drink and turning it from ordinary water into wine, from ordinary tap water into micro-clustered living water. I drink in the physical manifestation of His pure love for me through the instrument of this living water as a daily sacrament now. I visualize now this living water reaching inside of my being to places only the energy of His pure love can reach, touch, and heal. I visualize the hand of Christ touching and caressing every gland, cell, and body system in my physical being and all of their spiritual counterparts that I may be healed of deep-pressed emotions lodging in my being from times past through the energy of His perfect love for me. I visualize that this living water is raising the vibration and frequency of every cell in every gland, organ, and tissue of my physical, spiritual, emotional being now. I claim the spiritual DNA blueprint which I was originally created to vibrate at. I realize that when my physical body is touch, sleep, or water-deprived, I am left with a disposition to connect to the vibrations of scarcity, emotional and spiritual famine, and subconscious needs that have been left unmet and unfulfilled. I reconnect to the vibration of joy, the vibration that is the universal law of the universe. Through the gift of my agency, I visualize my being, spiritually, physically, mentally and emotionally, being filled with the energy of the pure love of Christ in a living form, now that I have already received as a spiritual being. The energy of His pure love, I claim it physically. I no longer thirst for pure love from outside sources, but I am filled beyond measure and past thirsting by the energy of His pure love now. The emblem of living water is the energy of His pure love constituted by the manifestation of water which has been restructured through the power of mighty prayer and faith. I drink freely of this water, partaking in deep gratitude for all healing gifts, which I have faith in Jesus Christ, that it shall bring to my soul body, mind, heart, and spirit. I realize that the positive words which I have used to bless and restructure this water are imprinting into this water now, and by so doing, raising the vibration and frequency of it, 
and of my being to the level of pure enlightenment, godly confidence, joy everlasting, tender mercies, kindness, charity, gentleness, temperance, moderation in all things, inner strength, and all other good and godly attributes. I claim that all deep-pressed emotions and impurities lodging in my being, in my heart, mind, body, or spirit, on the physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual levels, shall be cleansed from my being now by partaking of this living water. I claim that all pride, vanity, anger, resentment, fear, doubt, confusion, double-mindedness, hypocrisy, greed, lust, vainglory, selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonor, and all other godly attributes will be washed away, cleansed from my cells, and that all divine qualities of love, kindness, tenderness, devotion, faithfulness, patience, virtue, gratitude, harmony, serenity, enthusiasm, and all other goodly emotions shall be added and infused into my mind, heart, body, and spirit. I pray that the image of Christ may be reflected and imprinted into this living water as he smiles upon it, and that it shall thus be imprinted into my soul. Through my faith, I am being made whole, complete, and perfect in the name of Jesus Christ. I claim that by drinking this living water in pure faith, that he is the man at the living well, that I am becoming imprinted with his divine countenance, with his vibration and frequency, attuning and atoning to the vibration that he experiences moment by moment. I claim the image of his countenance filled with joy to reflect upon my own countenance in my physical outward expression as well as in the inner child of God, whose child I am. Amen. Fasting for purity of heart, mind, body, and soul. I have been eating quite a few grains recently, making most of my meals on easy-to-grab brown rice, tortillas, wheat toast, etc., thinking, this is a grain, it will do. I rationalized my busy schedule away, thinking I was doing okay. But last night, as I dreamt, I saw a vision of the cells in my body. We appreciate that you are not eating sugar, they said, but the grains you are eating are too concentrated and cannot cleanse us. Then I saw the effects of fruit on the cells. I saw the cells being rinsed and cleansed from toxicities that cause sluggishness, tiredness, and fatigue. I then saw the effects of vegetables, mostly eaten, raw and fresh, rebuilding, replenishing, restoring, and renewing my body. Eat as many live foods as you can, they told me. Have single meals of fruits or vegetables, but try not to combine them. Let fruit be your cleanser. Let vegetables be your builder. I was instructed that since the cells are created of protoplasm, which means the material of first importance, that we should give our first attention and focus to ourselves rather than to our desire for vanity when dieting. 
I learned from fasting, the second step to eternal life, that when we sin, we harbor the negative emotional effects in the cells. Thus, in the cells are stored physical, spiritual, and emotional poisons and toxicities that must be cleansed. When Jesus said, This kind goeth not out but by fasting and prayer, I suddenly understood the importance of fasting as related to the releasing of addictions, sins, emotional negative toxicities, even ones like the spirit of contention, distemper, anger, fear, as well as constant cravings. We must literally be purged every whit from the memory of our sins and for our desires for them, which are found, held, trapped, and fixed in the cells of our physical bodies as well as imprinted into our minds and hearts. So as we are seeking to overcome an addiction of our own, such as sugar, chocolate, caffeine, gluttony, overeating, nicotine, excessive compulsive behaviors, all which originate from anxiety, fear-induced frustration, fasting literally opens the door for those symptoms to exit the body, the mind, the heart, and the spirit. We can literally obtain freedom from captivity through our fasting and prayers to be released from our fears, doubts, insecurities, self-defenses, defense mechanisms, survival skills, brainwashings, resentments, both hidden and lingering. Fasting becomes the way to be washed clean and pure every whit until we literally become new creations in Christ. In the scriptures it says Christ is the vine. On the vine grows vegetation. The gift of eternal life is a building force. It is said that Christ is the fruit of the tree, which symbolizes the pure love of Christ or his pure love energy flowing through us. In the scriptures it says that Christ is the living bread or the staff of life. It says that Christ is living water, the cleansing, purifying agent. I was grateful for the instruction, and the dream ended, but I was left with the impression that now I am being cleansed from the sugar addiction. I can listen to my body tell me exactly what I need because I can hear the instruction better, unblocked by sugar cravings, which fog my mind and block my eternal perspective. When I was 19, I went to see an iridologist who also read the structures of the facial bones and countenance. He said to me after looking deeply into my eyes, You have the original personality of a very determined and dedicated spirit. There is no limit to the good that you can do. But he warned, If you do not get off sugar, you will never realize your potential in this area. Sugar is overstimulating your emotions and clouding your intellect and hindering your ability to be who you were originally intended and divinely created to be. The strongest counsel I can give you today is to get off of sugar. It is forming an arcus decinillus in your brain, which is causing the blood to constrict and could cause Alzheimer's later in life. If you want to reverse these effects of sugar in your mind, you must overcome your addiction for it. As I remember this, I am reminded that overcoming sugar, while it has its beautifying effects upon the body, also has its beautifying and healing effects upon the mind and heart. Although we can only see the evidence on our physical body, 
as we give up and forsake sugar, when we master our addiction to it by feasting upon the pure love of Christ, we cannot see with our physical eyes the effects that such discipline is having upon our mental and emotional beings. But I can hear and bear witness that it will and does bring a solidarity to the emotions, a grounded strength upon which to anchor our hearts rather than our moods, and a sense of well-being centered in the knowledge that we are overcoming. For the past four weeks, I have been releasing my bondage to sugar, and I can testify that I am feeling a sense of peace in my soul despite the outer circumstances and challenges in the worldly affairs of my existence. Overcoming sugar is anchoring my soul to Christ in a profound way. Thus, I began a new program. It is to be taken in baby steps or in bite-sized pieces. The Lord didn't give it to me all at once, but line upon line, step by step, grace by grace, He is strengthening me and turning my weakness into an overwhelming and all-encompassing addiction from sugar into a newfound strength, a desire for His love, as evidenced by partaking upon fruit as my dessert and as my reward. In this way, He is teaching me about the true spirit of fasting and prayer, or in other words, rejoicing in prayer. For as our cells are cleansed and purified, they will rise up in a chorus of vibrations that echo the emotion of pure rejoicing, singing their alleluias each time we overcome the sins and the addictions which once so easily beset us. As you fast, you are changed from the inside out so that every food craving will be transformed into a natural affection for the pure love of Christ, a love which you can feast upon if your minds are firm forever. The new choice for that which is most delicious to my soul, sweet above all that is sweet. I am releasing my affections, desires, and addiction to pure cane sugar, that which is pure, sweet, and white, for the pure love of Christ. I integrate by my own choice the righteous desire and the new choice for partaking of that which is whiter than white, purer than pure, and sweeter than all that is sweet. Fruit is now an emblem, a token, a symbol of the pure love of Christ to me. Each time I mindfully choose to partake of fruit as my just dessert and reward, I am proving to my higher self my willingness to overcome the bitter with the sweet for His pure love is the most delicious to my soul. I am overcoming the artificial sweeteners of this world, which I have used as a substitute for pure love in times past. I am overcoming all addictions, affections, cravings, desires, attachments, triggers, emotional cravings to the bitter sweetness of the addictions of this world. I am releasing my attraction to acid-forming sugars for the alkalizing fruits and vegetables. I dedicate this fast each time I make the choice for eternal life, light, and liberty. I dedicate this fast in advance in each and every moment that I choose to partake of living fruit, fruits in their season, overcoming my desires, 
from times past from sugar, chocolate, or any other addictive substance. I integrate into all four chambers of my heart and into all four quadrants of my mind-brain and into my physical body at a cellular level the knowledge that sugar is an addictive substance, one that darkens my intellect and poisons my emotional responses. Each time I fast from it, my powers of intellect are sharpened and quickened. My emotional responses are healed and made holy and pure. I resonate with the divine attributes of Christ, which are the fruits of the Spirit, found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Faith, hope, charity, patience, temperance, gentleness, tenderness, virtue, brotherly kindness, and all other godly affections. As I transform my being into my divine and original personality, I am beginning to radiate the energy of the pure love of Christ upon my countenance from deep within. I am being possessed with His pure love, as that is what I choose to feast upon daily. Therefore, I am no more running as a blind guide on my emotions or overtaken by my moods. I am a gentle, loving, kind, passionate, compassionate, creative spirit being that feasts upon foods that are highly concentrated with light, love, and truth. I am subdued and impassioned by my choice to make the pure love of Christ my new choice. I feast freely upon pure fruit. I feast upon his love continually, for my mind is firm on this matter. In doing so, I no longer ask myself, am I in a good mood today? Instead, I affirm to myself, I am resonating spiritually, emotionally, and physically with joy, which is akin to my original personality. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. I no longer base my happiness upon pleasures or addictions that bring momentary pleasure but linger on in the form of recycling emotions. Rather, I am returning to who I am, becoming my divine and original personality unhindered by the effects of any worldly substance which alters my mind, my ability to reason, to concentrate, to focus on, or to maintain the refined and pure influences of the Spirit of the Lord. Is the human body imprintable through water? This morning I awoke, excited to learn more about the imprintability of our human minds, bodies, and spirits. Singing at the prison caused me to think. As I sang to the prisoners, I knew I could not use the sense of touch, nor the sense of taste or smell. I could only depend upon the sense of hearing to make an impression or to leave an imprint upon the hearts and minds of the inmates. I only had two hours in which to make a difference. I said a prayer that the music would do its work in the molecular structures of the cells of the men there. Without being able to give each one a private joy coaching session, I knew that I must rely solely upon the vibration of living music to soften their hearts and instill a change of heart deep down into their very cells. Knowing what I know about the senses and about the imprintability of water, 
of which our bodies are 78%, I knew that living music could leave a grand impression in every cell. After singing and speaking to the inmates, one came up and said, I have been to over 3,000 churches over 1,200 miles and nothing, no one has reached into my soul like you did with that music or with those words you spoke. My heart leapt. My prayers were answered. This inmate's face was soft and tender as he spoke. The frozen icy patches in his heart and mind were thawing by the healing warmth of living music. I decided to conduct a study of my own. I am now asking the question, if water is programmable as proven by Dr. Masaru Emoto in his research with water and music, then am I? If I am 78% water, then am I programmable and imprintable through the very music that I listen to? Will the vibration of living music change my soul deep down into my cells? I believe so. I have been doing vibrational attunement massage therapy for years now. Before I got certified in this most amazing kind of massage, where the cells literally keep the beat in every part of your being, even though your hand may be the only part of your body that is being massaged, I was struggling with depression. At my certification class, while I was on the table, I literally felt an emotional block being released as the transducers in the table and the power of that music filled every cell of my being. I came back from Montana and that certification class, a changed woman. Feelings that had been silently spiraling downward for months were dramatically released. Energies in motion, emotions that had been blocked, were cleared. I have been spiraling upwards ever since. Today I read an article that I would like to share by Kathleen Ann Gunan. I share a portion. We remain the biggest mystery in the world. We are comprised of millions of programs, systems of evolutionary successes intimately linked to one another in a network which we are just beginning to understand. An understanding will bring manipulation, and manipulation will bring improvement, or at least change. That is, whose idea of improvement will we use? Our emotional malleability at a young age allows us to mimic the cultural milieu into which we are born perfectly. We absorb language, which is a social program in and of itself effortlessly. Newborn infants react to tone of voice and eye contact. We are programmed to be a part of the community. We are exquisitely imprintable. We absorb our own culture much as we absorb food, and we make it a part of our physical substance, our neural wiring, our filtering process. This human malleability is the source of much joy and a lot of sorrow as well. We are entering a period of time when we will be able to cure cancers, heart disease, diabetes, inherited disorders. The present debate over stem cell research is just the tip of the iceberg. We will soon have the opportunity to consider, as a society, just who we want ourselves to be. Presently, altering one's appearance through plastic surgery or hair colorings or piercings fall into the category of vain frivolity. But when such alterations are deeper, more finely controlled, and more easily accomplished, how will we feel then? Millions of Americans are taking mood-altering drugs to keep them from the blackness of depression. Well, first it was the blackness of depression. Now if you feel socially challenged, what we might have called shy and pastimes, there is a drug you can take to remedy this condition. 
A friend of mine, one of the most abulent, outgoing, and socially adept women you could possibly imagine, was prescribed this particular drug for other reasons. She slept for a week afterwards. I suppose this would keep you from worrying about whether you're wearing the right thing if you're going out. You can't go out. You can't even get out of bed. Certainly, though, such drugs have saved the lives of many depressive people. But let's say that it's possible to choose one's mood, one's very personality, with more precision. Who's doing the choosing? Whose identity do we choose? Problems that used to be philosophical and religious are now in the realm of science. In fact, I think that a lot of our greatest religious and philosophical thinkers, if they were born now, would be scientists because these people were all obsessed with finding out what's going on. But the only tools they had were their own observations. We now have tools that expand and enhance all of our senses. We can see the small, even the very small, or the traces of the very, very small, or even the very rare, with electron tunneling microscopes and super colliders. We can see very far with powerful telescopes. We can break down substances, such as pheromones, we can understand the structure of DNA. In light music, I postulate that we will be able to choose joy over sorrow. I envision people whose senses are enhanced so that they can hear, or perhaps a better would be sense, from an early age, wavelengths which we can now not hear. All of what we sense, all of the physical phenomenon which we organize into the world that we navigate is light which we break down into various categories. Light is music. Light is water. Light is energy. How would such an enhancement change what we think about life? How would that change what we know? How would we deepen our understandings of matter? I do believe through the amazing effects of living water and living music, we can be cleansed not only physically, but spiritually and emotionally as well. Bathing, the best-kept beauty secret. In using Kangen water, it's best to use alkaline water at a pH level of 5.5. This restores the acid mantle to the skin. As a massage therapist, I always use essential oils and music when giving a massage. Essential oils add an aesthetic dimension to the healing effects of massage therapy. Because they are so concentrated, essential oils must be diluted so that as they compose 25 to 30% of the blend, either in a carrier oil such as jojoba, almond, grapeseed, or fractionated coconut oil. Because the skin is the largest organ of the body, putting diluted oils directly onto the area over a specific organ carries the healing effects of that oil into the nerve endings, into the skin, and directly to the organ in need of aid. Another way to nurture the body through the skin is through the European ritual called balneotherapy or bath therapy. Again, when you do this therapy, try to use alkaline water 5.5. In addition to using oils and massage throughout the day, my morning ritual now consists of bathing with essential oils and then using a blend of essential oils from my Joyful Expression set. Each of the oils in this set has been specifically chosen for the set because of their skin-enhancing, mood-elevating properties. Ever since I learned that the ideal way to expose yourself to most toxins 
and carcinogens over your lifetime is to use mainstream personal care products, I'm finding that using the essential oils to create a joyful expression in my heart and on my countenance is by using the essential oils as my early morning regime. I find that the mornings I attend to myself in a 20-minute aromatic bath with beautiful music, my mind, body, heart, and spirit find a unique sort of soul integration in the simple process. The days I hurry along with a quick shower, I do not feel so refreshed or renewed or so deeply rejuvenated. I find in my aromatic studies some very interesting facts about bathing as an ancient beauty mark of the rich and famous. The ancient Egyptians, particularly the women, at least those who were able to afford it, showed their high degree of civilization by extraordinary refined use of the bath. Every day they would take a succession of baths, first cold, then tepid, then hot. The hot bath, which was scented with fragrant oils, was followed by an aromatic massage, probably with cedarwood oil or cypress. This and the other elaborate rituals of their hairdressing, face massage, facial, and breast makeup was attended to by slaves. The Romans used bathing as a great social emblem. Before bathing, they received a preliminary oiling, when their bodies were attended to with the use of essential oils. They, like the Egyptians, took a series of baths, kind of like a seven-course meal. First, frigidarium, or cold bath. Second, a sepidarium, or tepid bath. And the caldarium, or hot bath. While in the hot bath, one scrubbed one's body with a bronze curry comb called a striggle, while at the same time pouring scented oils over the body from a small bottle called an umpulia. After the bath came a relaxing massage with fragrant oils. During my research, I also discovered that the ancients have been going to saunas for years. But an interesting difference between ancient saunas and modern-day saunas is that during the ancient saunas in Sudan, the people bathed themselves by digging a hole in the ground in which is burned the odiferous wood of the tulak. The natives sit over this, covering themselves loosely with a thick woolen wrapper and remain exposed for about 10 minutes to the cloud of fragrant smoke, which causes intense perspiration and is supposed to exercise a tonic and beneficial influence on the skin. In Europe, bathing was introduced by the Romans, but after their empire crumbled, enjoyed little popularity until the 13th century when it was reintroduced by the returning crusaders. In the 17th century, bathing was reintroduced and became permanently established as a healthy, necessary procedure and should be performed regularly. Bathing became popular in Constantinople in the 15th century, along with Turkish baths. Scented baths became popular at this period. The Great Plague was still fresh in people's memories, and hygiene became the motivating reason for using essential oils more for their therapeutic value. A scented bath was considered more enjoyable and more hygienic than an unscented one. About the 18th century, David McKinsey writes, our grandfathers ventured upon a bath only when it seemed called for by others. Our grandmothers with their clean white cotton or linen undergarments had or thought they had even less need for it. Besides, in their prim and bashful eyes, the necessary denudation process to total immersion would have amounted, even when they were alone, to something like gross indecency. Before their time again in the 18th century, matters were even worse, for the ladies of that day painted their faces 
rather than washing them. Tepid baths, 28 to 35 degrees, relaxing and sedative. Hot baths, 35 to 39 degrees, tonifying if it's short, but if it's taken too long, becomes debilitating. Try taking a stimulating bath in the morning using Kangen water, 5.5, with peppermint and a relaxing bath in the evening with lavender or simply go by intuition. Ask your body what it needs. Make sure you spread the oil around the surface of the water by swishing the water with your hand or even more preferably by mixing the oils with sea salt in a small plastic bag so that you do not cause irritation to the skin. Becoming a vessel for living waters. Close your eyes. Are you ready for a metaphor? His love for you is as vast as the ocean, child. The ocean is alive with living waters. Do you remember how you used to dance and sing in the ocean as a little child? Do you remember splashing in the ocean's fountain as it immersed you in its great depths? Do you remember how you fearlessly sunk to your knees as each wave passed over your head? If you tried to meet the wave head on, it sent you plummeting. But when you learned how to bend your knees and to surrender, you could avoid the conflict with the elements, elements much greater than your ability to fight them. And now a simile. Feel his love becoming like that warm Caribbean water you once felt lapping about your feet. It is not cold, but warm and inviting. See how his love encircles your feet. Step nearer, child. Move out to meet the flow of his infinite love as it rushes in to embrace you. Feel the waves embracing your knees. Now let your knees bow down before him and tilt your face into the shining warmth of the sun that smiles upon you from heaven. Feel a new wave of warmth swiftly moving towards you, encompassing your shoulders with the serene, blue, crystal clear water. Let your whole soul be immersed in the depths of his azure blue love for you. Now. Gaze overhead at the sun sinking beyond the horizon there. See how the moon obediently takes his turn in keeping watch over you, giving you just a little nightlight. Gaze heavenward and prayerfully begin wishing upon the first star you see this night and begin believing, believing that he can make your wishes come true. He is with you all the day long and into the night time. He is with you another day and another night. He is with you always. His love is no fairy tale, child. Let your heart begin believing in him as you did when you were just a little child. Believe, little child, simply, easily believe in him. Remember sweet and forgotten dreams of happily ever afters. Remember how you laid on your back in those crystal blue Caribbean waters and let the water cradle you. You lay upon the water suspended as if by unseen arms, neither sinking or swimming, simply being still in the moment. 
Remember how the gentle waves sang your heart a new lullaby. The message of the warming waters singing to you was a message from your divine parents, lullabying you with their love. Remember how beautiful it felt to be a child again, supported by the gentle swaying of the warm water embracing you. Now return to that scene in your mind's eye and let the ocean carry away all doubt, all fear. Each time a gentle wave ebbs away from you, see all sorrow departing. When one wave departs, another is sure to follow. So do not fear the loss of love. I shall give you more souls to bless, to comfort, and to cherish if one should choose to leave you. The one thing this world is not lacking in, child, is souls who stand in need of experiencing my love through another living soul. So with each flowing wave that encircles you, feel new strength, new courage, new virtue, even God's power within you, enfolding you, giving you the courage to carry on. A visualization. Close your eyes and sit back in your chair or laying on your bed. Make sure that you are relaxed and that your body is comfortable, that your hands and your arms are relaxed, that your legs and your feet are releasing tension with every exhale releasing acidity stored in the body. Take a deep breath in and release it. Take another deep breath and release it. We are going to go on a journey now, visualizing yourself moving away from this place and this time back into the days where the Savior lived and walked. Visualize yourself there, dressed in the robes of the time, your feet with sandals. Visualizing yourself moving along a dusty path and in your arms and upon your shoulder, an empty water pot. Move along towards the well where you are accustomed to replenishing your water supply. As you make the journey, continue deep breathing, relaxing, releasing tensions. Move yourself in your mind's eye towards that well in the far off distance where you see a man leaning against the well. Continue moving towards it. Feel the sands of the earth between your toes, the dust from the ground. Feel the warmth of the sun beating down upon your shoulders. Hear the voices of little children all around you. Notice how you are feeling 
Are there any burdens repressed or suppressed in your heart or your mind? Are there any concerns for yourself, for a family member? What will you feed your children today? What will you eat? What will you drink? How will you clothe your children? How will you put a roof over their head? Notice the thoughts that come to your mind, the thoughts of survival and of surviving one day at a time. There are no sounds of busy cars, no sounds of airplanes overhead, just the sounds of voices of people along the path in the village. Now moving towards the well, there is nobody there but this man. And as you come up to the well, he smiles at you. When you see his eyes, you see the sunlight glistening in them. And he asks you for a drink. How ironic that he is leaning against the well and that your water pot is empty. And yet he asks you for a sip of water. You reach into the well, wondering about this man and and pull out a ladle full of water. You give it to him and watch him drink. Tilting his head back, you see the water. And then, as he lowers the ladle from his mouth, he looks at you. And he begins to tell you all about your life. About the times you've looked for love searched for love. He tells you about the times when you have been thirsty emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. This man seems to know everything about you. He reaches for your water pot and he begins to ladle the water into it. And as he does, he tells you, I will give you water this day, that if you will partake of it, you will never thirst. And then he calls himself living water. He holds the ladle up to your mouth and asks you to take a drink of it. This water has been blessed. And as you drink of it, you are amazed at its sweetness of the energy it possesses, how it delights your taste buds. As you tilt your head back and drink of this water, feel the sunshine on your face. Feel this water, cold and refreshing, moving into your being now. It comes with a burst of light and energy, and immediately you begin to fill every cell in your body beginning to rejoice. This water is pure from a pure source, rich in antioxidants, high in its beautiful degree of alkalinity, microclustered, small molecules easily assimilatable by every cell of your body. Visualize the water moving into the circulatory system into the respiratory system, into your nervous system, 
into your digestive system, into your brain, into your mind. Visualizing every cell rejoicing, the rivers of your lymphatic system being washed and cleansed. Visualize the tingling sensation moving through your being, down your arms, an electrifying, vibrating discourse, a cellular symphony as every cell begins to rejoice and move in rhythm to the music of this water. A lullaby from Mother Earth. Let me rock you gently, child. Cradle you in my creations. Sing to you upon the wind. Send you songs of pure elation. I am encircling you in the ocean deep. I will comfort all your sorrows, wake you gently from deep sleep. The sunlight on the waters has gently kissed your brow. The azure blue is cradling you. Blissful thoughts fill your mind now. Mother Earth has beckoned you. She holds you in her arms, curled in her womb, a cherished room keeping you from harms. The ocean deep, its ebb and sway, a soft pillow for your head. Warm waters tenderly caress soft billows overhead. The wisp of an angel's touch, sent gently on the breeze. You were curled in Mother Nature's womb. Child, come, remember me. I have not forgotten you, the child of my own womb, created in my own image from my heart's own cherished room. You were born of divine imaginings, created from on high, born from my own bosom child, in the twinkling of an eye. O precious child of my creation, feel my heart missing you, feel my gentle heart beating as sunbeams dance on you. I kiss your cheek, a ray of hope, caress your hair in the wind, cradle you in this vast ocean. Love has no beginning, love has no end. You, my cherished child, born of spirit, now of flesh, left my arms for but a moment. I cradle you in peace and rest. For a moment let us linger, for a moment reminisce, upon pure moments when I cradled you, you've been longing for such bliss. The ocean deep, its ebb and sway, a soft pillow for your head, warm waters tenderly caress, soft white billows overhead, of an angel's touch, sent gently on the breeze. You are curled in Mother Nature's womb. Child, come, remember me.